Fans of the Dynasty Invest podcast, if you feel like there was one particular episode in the back catalogue in the anthology of Dynasty Invest podcast episodes that really, really, really was massively valuable to you, feel free to share that with a fellow dental colleague who's in a similar position so their understanding of finance can be elevated and they can hit the next level of financial success in their life. Also, as well as that, if you could take two seconds to rate and review this podcast, it would mean the world to me. What that would mean is that it drives this podcast further in terms of reach so that more dentists across the world can be able to benefit from the knowledge contained therein. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Dentists Who Invest podcast. What's good, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Dentists Who Invest, official podcast hosted by myself, James Martin. I've been having a little bit of a think since I've been on the airwaves last time. And what happened through one reason or another, there was a period of about a month and a half where I didn't shoot a podcast. And that was just only because I just had so many other commitments going on around about that time. And for one reason or another, or the guests would move things or I would move things. And like I say, just for one reason or another, it didn't happen. So because of that hiatus, it meant that we've only just began shooting them again last month. And what I thought would be nice is if we now made this the official season two of Dentists Who Invest podcast, because getting Andrew on, it felt like a very seminal moment. It felt like maybe it was a crossroads or we'd reached we'd reached a zenith or we'd reached a point where it was time to reflect and maybe just take stock of where we've got to. And it just so happened that inadvertently around about that time we had a little bit of a pause. So for anybody who's interested, it was just nice for me to kind of draw a line under it and call it season two and begin to think about where we can go and where we can progress the Dentist Who Invest podcast and just see where it might wind up. I'm having a ton of fun. I hope everybody who listens to the podcast is having a ton of fun. And yeah, Welcome to season two, retrospectively, of course, because this is now the second episode of season two. I beg your pardon. But yes, this is the official welcome. Here we go, season two. And we've got a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant guest to kick off episode two of season two. You've probably seen him on the grip. This is a episode about tax. Now, I know what you're thinking, tax, not always necessarily the most sexy subject, but it's actually an amazing way that we can be more profitable and be more efficient when it come to, comes to saving. Because remember, we have to be able to save to be able to invest in the first place. It makes total sense. And tax, being efficient with tax, never ever tax dodging, being efficient with tax is one of the ways that we can do that. And we've got someone who's eminently qualified to speak on that today. This episode po- complements the very first episode we did on tax way back when, many moons ago. My very eminent guest, he's sat here in front of me right now. I won't be appearing on camera today for anybody who's uh, watching this on video, but you you can see this chap's face. He's looking back at me right now. <laughs> Bilal Ahmed. And what an amazing backlight and professional studio Bilal has, presumably in his man cave. How are you today, Bilal? I'm good. I'm good, James. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me on the uh, the podcast. I absolutely love it. I think it's... Uh... You've, you've created a fantastic forum and uh, I was introduced to it by uh, one of my clients who recommended the, the Facebook group and um, now I absolutely love what you've created. That's awesome, man. Thank you so much. Do you know that when people say that they find it useful and that they really enjoy it, it, it hits different for me because it's my baby. 
Do you know what I mean? It's like right here, right here in the chest. For anybody who can't see, I'm touching my chest right now. I'm touching my heart. It means a lot to me. No, it does really, honestly, because there was a lot of things that I just think there's so many valuable things about money that just weren't out there or they just weren't getting said or there was no platform for. And that's where, that's why Dentists Who Invest has become what it is. And that's why people listen to the podcast. And I'm just so glad that everybody finds it as cool and as useful as I do. So thanks for that, my man. Thank you very much. No, you're more than welcome. Bilal, you are an accountant, of course, and you have a special interest in us dentists. For anybody who doesn't know Bilal, Bilal does 30-second tax tips online. And this consists of Bilal just dishing out as much knowledge as he can about tax in 30 seconds. And they're quite entertaining. And I don't, it's, it's a bit like watching somebody spit bars like a rapper because it's, it's like bang, 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 bang. And I'm like, how does he do that? That's so good. And it's all in one take as well. It's quite impressive. No, I really appreciate that. Thank you, James. It's, uh, it's 30, 30 seconds of content might take hours to, to film, especially when, when you've absolutely nailed it and it's 31 seconds long. Oh, it, no. Oh, God. no. Surely no one's going <laughs> to yeah. call you up on that. No one's going to notice. 31 seconds is fine. So I'll know. And uh, yeah, it hurts when it's 31 seconds long and you, you're, trying to, you're trying to absolutely nail it at 30 seconds. But the, the, the purpose of all of that really is, um, and I think the ethos really behind it is to give you the financial information that you probably should have had at some sort of formal setting, be that at school, college or university that says, you know, this is really important stuff that you sort of left to your own devices. And the goal with those 30 second tidbits is, is to get you thinking that says, if I can layer on this information, it starts um, either you go back to your accountant and start asking better questions or, you know, you start expanding your mind on the other opportunities that you haven't really considered that goes, oh, I could do that. And then these are the things that you need to know. And, and that's really the goal for all of that that says, you know, there's only so, so much information I can put in 30 seconds, but it's to really get you thinking. And that's what I'm striving to create with that. So this is this is a, a, a good format for me because, you know, there's only so much I can get in 30 seconds, but now uh, you give me many 30 seconds where I can start going to detail into some of the concepts. And I think that the, the goal today is to really, really take you on a journey of, of the tax side of things. So we're trying to take something that's, quite depressing and um, quite expensive and make it less expensive and, and take you on that journey is that, you know, you might be at different parts of where you are in that journey, but I think it's either some, most of it will be relevant to, to everyone that's listening, but you know, it might not be relevant to you now, but it might be relevant in five years time. And if I can impart that knowledge, then I'll be, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be really happy with that. And Bilal and I were talking about how we were going to structure this interview just off camera and Bilal's, organize this or arrange this really nicely and methodically because he's taking you through that journey from being an FD to being someone who's just come out of FD, got your first tax bill through to being an associate and beyond. And I think that's really nice because he's just going to hold her hand through that process for everybody who's on that journey yet to start that journey, regardless of where you are. It's a nice way to make it into a story and make it a bit more fun. I think that's super cool. Bilal, as well as that, you were telling me the other day your 30-second tax tips, you achieved a level of virality the other day with one of them. Quite significant virality. Can I let you tell the story? Yeah, so, there, so I, I, I launched them on TikTok on, 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 and on Instagram, um, on Reels. So I think one on Instagram is currently at um, 105,000 views, which is which is phenomenal, really. Whoa. And then yeah so uh, i'm quite happy with that one um and i think there's it's it's kicking off onto the other ones as well so uh, i'm noticing 
quite a rapid um, increase in the views on almost all the other videos. So it's people are watching and they're clearly going through the feed, which is quite quite encouraging, which is quite nice. So That's a uh, yeah, yourself then, moment. Come on, right there. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, no, it's very nice. It's uh, yeah. When I first started seeing the numbers rise, I was like, well, all right, it can't go any higher than that. Then it was like ten thousand. I was like, right, right, can't go any higher than that. Then it was like like fifteen thousand. I was like, I was I was made up with fifteen thousand. Then it then it went up to twenty, twenty five. Then it fifty, fifty thousand. I think it I think it created something like twelve, thirteen hundred new followers as well, which is just fantastic. So I'm still I'm still dipping my toe into the social media thing, but it's uh, now I'm, I'm I'm enjoying myself. That's awesome, man. That's really cool. Well done. Thank you. Well done. Thank you. What was that on, out of curiosity? I know it was on tax, but specifically. Real quick, guys. I've put together a special report for dentists entitled The Seven Costly and Potentially Disastrous Mistakes that dentists make whenever it comes to their finances. Most of the time, dentists are going through these issues and they don't even necessarily realize that they're happening until they have their eyes opened. And that is the purpose of this report. You can go ahead and receive your free report by heading on over to www.dentistinvest.com forward slash podcast report or alternatively, you can download it using the link in the description. This report details these seven most common issues. However, most importantly, it also shows you how to fix them. I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts. I think it might have been um, the 130% super deduction off the top of my head. I think it might have been the 130% super deduction. And then the other one that's doing quite well at the moment is Soul Trader versus Vintage Company. Awesome. The power of the internet. <laughs> How cool is that? You know, I, I actually I had a similar story, not quite to that level, but I made a video ages ago on the best books to read for someone who was starting out their crypto journey. And I made this video, and normally the YouTube video, it's not really... It's not really where the bulk of the traffic is for dentists who invest, not by a long way. Mm. If anything, it's just, I just put them up as a token, really, I suppose, to maybe build a YouTube channel for someday. And normally, for context, they maybe get 100 views, if they're lucky. And this thing got like 5,000 views, and um, oh, wow. it just kind of took off. And it, I, I searched best books to read on crypto, and it was the first one that came up. And I just feel like it just... It came along at the right time and there was no one else who'd really thought to make a video like that. But it was just interesting, really. It's not quite to the same level as you, but it's the sort of thing I've noticed. Sometimes you make content and you think, okay, here we go. Where where am I going to, you know, when do the talk show hosts start ringing me? You know, when do I appear on TV? You know, that sort of stuff. Because you just think to yourself, this is going to be incredible. And quite often it's the things that you don't really think are going to do that well but then they just so happen to do well and i think the the key thing with that is there's two ways you can manipulate there's two ways that you can you can use that information you can either be someone who's incredibly incredibly succinct and clever about understanding exactly what it is what people want and you will need that to a degree but i find that it's almost just a case of you just make as many videos as you can about something that you're passionate about and sooner or later one of them takes off and that's your it's almost like your big break in a way it's almost like your big yeah. break but it's the graph that comes before that and everybody sees the 105k whatever it is video but it's all the hours that come in before that and let's not forget as well speaking on camera oh my god the first few times you do it 
you have a whole new respect for the news presenter, a whole yeah. new respect for that radio host, because it is so hard. There are so many ums and ahs. And whilst neither Bilal or I are going to sit here and say, we're the best at it, we're perfect, it does take some practice. It really, really does just to get your words out. And I suppose in that way, you reap what you sow. And that is that can be the reward for hard work. But yeah, what an interesting story. What a great story, Bilal. That's really cool. No, I appreciate Bilal, that, James. Thank just you. Remember, you appeared on Dentist Who Invest podcast. Remember, I played a part in making you famous when you hit the big time, okay? Definitely. But it'll be that. I mean, you're absolutely right with that, that podcast. You think that you, you made something like 30 seconds. This is going to do numbers. This is going to be phenomenal. I better put DM for inquiries in my bio because it's all going to absolutely smash up. <laughs> um, exactly. But then you get 200 views and then, yeah, so that's where you are. It'll be the most random one that takes off. But yeah, no, you're absolutely right. No, it's, it's an interesting journey. So let's see where it takes us. Right, yeah. I've heard others say that as well, that it just it's the most random thing that you never really think about. And I actually forgot that I made that video until it I think they sent YouTube sent me an email and said, Congrats on your first X number of views in a video. And that oh, wow. me, that just caught me off guard entirely. But yeah, five K compared to one hundred and five K is nothing. So hats off to you, my friend. No, I appreciate off. that. Thank you. Cheers. Hats off. Awesome. Bilal. <laughs> You've given us a little bit of an intro about yourself. We know you as the 30 seconds tax tip guy, but can you give us any more background just for anybody who hasn't got round to meeting you just yet or doesn't know you from the group as yet? Cool. So uh, my name is Bilal. I'm chief accountant of uh, Heathful Green. Um, that's my baby. Um, a bit about myself and who I am on my journey to date. So um, I, I qualified as an accountant um, almost 10 years ago. And it, it's been an interesting journey. So my background is commercial finance. So uh, I trained under a, a corporate team that did um, the, the, the the annual report for the head office companies, which is all really sexy accounting, really. But what it meant was uh, the team of six, we were responsible for £2.2 billion of the revenue. And you're audited by external auditors. So, you know, you might have 10,000 lines of transaction and the auditors can pick any one of them in any different category. So you've got to make sure your information is beyond reproach. So that, that's been my background. So technical accounting, trying to work out how we can apply the correct accounting standards to generate the, 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 the most desired outcome. And then beyond that is I did quite a bit of commercial finance. So I spent a bit of time out in the Middle East, which I absolutely loved. Uh, more recently worked in logistics in the, in the UK where it was looking at a business and almost taking it apart like a jigsaw that says, well, we've got to put it back together again because the business has to operate. But what's the most efficient way to do that? So, you know, if, if I was looking at your business, for instance, you're the expert of your business. I can't come here and tell you how to do your business. What I can do is give an opinion from an unbiased perspective that said, James, if you did this this way, this might be the outcome. And then it's a collaborative approach that says, right, I can't do it that way for that reason, but you've given me an idea to try something else. And then that might mean, you know, you, you you get more bonds on seats or you get to you get to churn the seats quicker or, you know, it might then, it, talking about dentistry, it might mean you've increased your Invisalign cases to the point where getting an ITERO scanner, which will, will give you a significant return on investment. So that kind of thing is, um, that's a large part of what we do is is taking you on that journey that says, you know, you had Mike on and, you know, Humphreys are, uh, from, what, from what I hear, a fantastic accounting company. Um, and then this is sort of, a, a, grad, a continuation of that conversation, but really adding in the detail at this point says, if you did this, this is the outcome, which which I'm really looking forward to going on that journey. And really, um, I'm, I'm a chartered accountant and I really want to echo something Mike said on the podcast is, 
anyone can call themselves an accountant. Uh, not everyone can call themselves a chartered accountant or a certified accountant. This is this is a difference of going to a dentist versus someone who knows about teeth. Um, and it really is a, a, a sort of serious as that that says there's nothing stopping you tomorrow opening up your own accounts office and getting registered with HMRC. And there's nothing stopping you. Versus uh, Smile whereas, Direct. Smile Direct. Have you heard of those guys? Yeah, That's I have. Yeah, my, yeah I, I, like seeing, uh, I like seeing my wife argue with them. On, so my wife's a dentist. And I like seeing my wife argue with Smile Direct on, on Facebook and any, any social media post she can get. <laughs> I, I, I find it hilarious. But it's the exact same concept that Smile Direct are given the perception that they're, they're, they're in the same marketplace as you as a qualified dentist providing Invisalign. And they're really not. Um, but then the general public aren't to know that. So a lot, a lot of what I like to do is educate people on that. And think, I, I come back to a horror story, which I'll probably fit in at this point, is uh, one of my clients, um, his brother was with a different accountant and they were talking and he's going, well, Bilal says you can and can't do these things. And he's like, well, my accountant's not told me any of that. Um, so he gave me a call and the, the, it was horrific in that his accountant was telling him to put his mortgage payments through his, his accounts his, you know, his sofa payments through his accounts, his car payments through his accounts, to go to the cash point and pull 500 quid out uh, of the cash point each month on top of the salary. I was like, no, you can do all that. A, it's illegal. And B, you're responsible for those numbers. So whether the accountant's told you that or not, and I guarantee he's not putting it in writing, is you will then submit those accounts to HMRC and Company's House. You as the director, you as the owner of that business are responsible for those accounts. So unless you can prove he told you to do that, the onus is always on you to do that. So luckily he hadn't submitted anything yet because it was within the, the right time frame and we were able to correct everything. And you can do that. And I think that takes me neatly on onto my next bit that says tax avoidance is illegal. Um, you can serve jail time for that. It's fraud. Whereas tax planning is an entire industry and that's the industry that I operate in. Awesome. Yeah. And that's, I'm very glad that we made that extra clear this up, uh, you know, because for the very nature of the beast with uh, tax, there's maybe a bit of a, bit of a black i suppose miasma surrounding it uh where as soon as people hear the word tax avoidance uh you know sorry uh, tax efficiency then yeah. there becomes this it's almost like a euphemism for something a little more sinister but it's not like that at all it's just as you said there a second ago so yeah it was very good that you made that extra clear i appreciate that cool Excellent. So you've given us a little bit of an intro about yourself. And the next thing we had on the agenda, we, we, we sort of touched upon this earlier. I was mentioning about your, well, the listener's journey as a dentist and how their relationship with tax evolves over time. Now, we all know that as you're a foundation dentist, that you start out that you're salaried. And that means that naturally you don't have to worry about squaring up your tax returns at the end of the year because generally that is provided, that service is provided for you via your, the accountant of your dental practice in which you work. At least it was in mine. I don't know about other arrangements, but I know that you wanted to talk a little bit about that, Bilal, and how that journey changes over time. So I'm going to pass the mic over to you and let you take the baton and speak a little bit more on that. Thank you. You might have to jump in at some point because I will talk for England. Uh, if it was an <laughs> Olympic sport. I'd smash it. That makes two of us. Um, <laughs> this, this might work quite well then. Um, we might need a talking stick. So <laughs> it's um, we, we, we talk about the journey because I think now's a, now's a great time to do it because you've got a, a, an entire crop of a foundation your dentist about to graduate in the next couple of months. Um, 
And it might sound quite biased and quite selfish to say, but get an accountant as early as possible or at least speak to someone because um, Mike said it before, he doesn't charge for an initial conversation. I don't charge for initial conversations. It just says, we're happy to have that conversation. So get get have that conversation as soon as possible. But if we talk about that journey and what it looks like, really from uh, from sort of seed to, to branch and then the fruit on the end of that is, as a foundation, your dentist, your first uh, your first year is is employed. So you get a pay slip, you're paid monthly of the tax and the national insurance, and any deductions are taken care for for you. But what you'll find is your the when you qualify your foundation, you're you're actually straddling two tax periods. So the tax year runs from the sixth of April one year to the fifth of April the following year, and you graduate well, you complete your foundation uh, year at the end of August. So come the 1st of September, you are now self-employed. So you've got to contact HMRC, tell them you're self-employed, contact Student Loans Company, tell them you're self-employed. And because what they'll be expecting to see is why why is your why have your submissions finished? So abruptly, Student Loans Company are going to get quite nervous at this point and think, well, why, haven't, why, why, haven't I, why aren't we getting paid or notified? So you'll probably get written to if you haven't done that already. Now, a lot of this is don't, don't get alarmed by HMRC. Because I think a lot of people have this aversion. Like you say, you know, you start talking about tax and people think, well, I don't want to get myself in trouble. There, there, there's a massive window of opportunity. And we talk about this in, in, in a bit more detail, what your timeframes are. Um, so when you do get a letter, take a second, breathe, help yourself, you know, have a Google search of it. A lot of these are quite innocent letters. So they won't text you. They won't email you. They, they, they will write to you. They will always write to you. And that's all talking about scam messages you might get, but that's probably one for another podcast is, They'll write to you. So, but if you're proactive and you 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 go online and if you just Google how to register self-employed, you'll get it. You'll get something called a unique tax reference number, a UTR. And that's what you then need to submit your self-assessment. That then also notifies the student loans company that you're now a self-employed person. So they're now not worried because they know they're going to get their tax paid. So in that foundation year, um, you you are salaried up to one point and now you're self-employed. So you're self-employed, which means you're getting your money gross. So by gross, I mean, they've taken up whatever they want to take and you're left with your uh, pre-tax number, which you can knock off your expenses off. Let's ignore the numbers for now. Let's get to the end of April or the end of March and then the tax year ends on the 5th of April. So we're now at the end of your first tax year. So what, what generally happens at this point, and this is a good note because a lot of the first year dentists that I get on don't keep these records. So what you want is either your last payslip and definitely nudge your employer to say, please make sure you send me my P60. Your P60 is a summary of all the, the income that you've earned. And that's really important. Reason being is when you come to, when you go to do your accounts, you can either do them yourself, you can go to an accountant, however you choose to do it, is you almost ignore the taxes you've paid already. You look at the full year uh, to date and say, in, in this tax year, this is what I've earned entirely. Um, you then take off your 12 and a half grade, uh, K tax, tax free allowance, you know, netting off all your expenses and whatnot leaves you with what we call a taxable profit or a taxable amount. From that, we then work out your national insurance, your income tax and any student loan payments. And then that gets us to an amount. We then knock off the amount you've already paid. You're worried then because you thought you're going to pay tax twice. So we look at the whole picture, then deduct everything you've already paid tax on. And that leaves you with a balancing payment. That then, that then is paid up to HMRC by no later than 31st of Jan the following year. What people think is, if I submit it today, so, you know, it might be end of April, I have to pay it now. You don't. Everyone still gets the same payment deadline. So I always encourage people to submit as early as possible. A, you know exactly what you've got to pay and when you've got to pay it, and then you're good to go. One of the things that um, I, I hate seeing, and not hate because it causes any issues, is because you've put yourself in a terrible position, is we, without fail, it'll happen every single year, is you'll get someone come to you in December saying, 
I need to sort my tax return out for the end of Jan. And they're dead nervous at this point because A, they have no idea how much they've got to pay. B, if they, even if they've got the money in the bank account or C, what they can and can't claim. So it starts getting quite nerve wracking at that point for someone that says, well, you're the master of your destiny at this point. It says, if, if you're in control of that conversation right at the start, find yourself a good accountant or do it yourself, you know, get yourself a good bit of software, however you choose to do it really, is you'll always know what that number is at the end of Jan. And then you then go forward at that point. So um, like I say, your your default position is sole trader. You opt into the pension schemes and superannuation at this point, which is a fantastic scheme. None of this is financial advice. So I'll put a caveat at this point here that says none of this is financial advice. I'm not qualified to give financial advice. And I stay away from it. Um, insert terrible joke here as to what you stay away from. But I, I stay away from financial advice. That's not my room. I'm an accountant. Go see a financial advisor for that. Is if you opt into the pension scheme, um, you then get your pension deduction deducted at source, which is also tax-free. Um, you get to opt out within about two years if you choose to do that. But there's another podcast that goes into the NHS pension in, in great detail, which is a fantastic podcast. It's it's one of the dentists who invest. I'm not trying to plug someone else's board here. <laughs> um, and then every example that we'll go through going forward at this point is, is for the current tax year. So the current tax year that runs from the 6th of April 21 to the 5th of April 2022. Awesome. So that's, 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 yeah. Awesome. Was that it? Sorry, did I jump in too early? Was that it? No, 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 you're good. Brilliant. Yeah. So for me personally, I, I recall that they, the practice that I worked at, they deducted my tax at, at source, as you said, and then they left me with the gross. So they kind of handled that for me. But I don't mm -hmm. know if that's the arrangement in every dental practice. Is that, is that what you've come across in your experience? In the foundation year. In foundation, yes, specifically in foundation yeah. year, yes. So every every foundation year is employed. Um, so that that's your your your, your fresh out of university. The the practice gets yeah. an amount of money to employ you. Um, you're an employee of that business in that at that period of time. All right. So so yeah, that would mean specifically that they will always handle that for you. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Just curious if the, there was ever some sort of instance where you had to seek your own advice or help on that one. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, anyway, so yeah, that's awesome. Drew a line under that one very nicely for anybody out there who's a foundation dentist. And now the next part of your tax journey, you're thrust into the big bad world. You find yourself on the precipice of being an associate. You no longer have your ES looking over you. And just when you think that your tr troubles couldn't get compounded anymore, you need to find your own accountant. Isn't that right, Bilal? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I always advocate the use of an accountant for a couple of reasons is and you touched on this in your last podcast is when you met with the accountant from Nasdaq is you were telling him what you could claim for or giving him items. Yeah. Can, can I claim for my GDC? Yeah. Oh my goodness. You know, yeah. That, that, yeah. What were you, <laughs> what, what were you paying the guy for? That's when I knew. <laughs> Just, I won't go into the full story, but for anybody who hasn't heard that, basically what happened was I had a great accountant. He was, a, he was a dental accountant. He was in something like, the guild, the UK guild of dental accountants. I don't think it was exactly that. There was some sort of organization where they all liaised with each other and communicated and what have you. And he he was under this. He was he was represented by these people. And he really, really, really knew his stuff. And he sold his business on to someone else. And I don't think this guy had ever had a... Con the new guy that he sold it on to, I don't think he'd ever have a conversation with a dentist before. And when I went to meet him, I gave him my pay slips. And I said to him, I said, uh, okay, here you go. Here's the pay slips. And then he said, okay, fair enough. That's great. I'll see you in 12 months. And I said, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. What about when we do the, 
the exemptions, the GDC, all these things. And he said to me, this new accountant said to me, okay, all right, you've got some exemptions for me. Okay, let's hear them. Far away, got a pen and paper, right. And I was talking about my GDC and my insurance. And then there was a few other things on there. Like I have my phone is half business and my phone is half uh, what I use privately. And when I said that to him, he said, oh, that's a good one. I never thought of that one. And he wrote it down. And I thought, whoa, 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 what am I paying you for? And then when I got the bill through, the bill was about the same for what the first guy charged me. So it's not like the price came down any as well. And that's when I knew I can do better. There's something that's just, I'm not getting my money's worth here. And Mm. that was my, that was actually one of the seminal moments that made me think I need to take more of an interest in my finance because I feel like there is, there is a, it's not quite adding up. This is not how it should be. This is, there's something that I can do to improve this. I need to take this into my own hands. So I'm glad you brought that story up. That was that was a seminal moment for me, Bilal. But uh, yes, not to take the not to steal the the the, the baton from you too much in terms of speaking. No, you're absolutely fine. No, it's my fair share. Now I'm going to throw it back to you, my friend, and we're going to just delve into that next part we talked about. It's a great story. So so on on that journey of of you know whether you should get an accountant or not, I mean, that's a great example of probably why you should get an accountant. I mean, another example is I had um I had a client and I use this anecdotally is. They gave me the same scenario, which is these are these are my expenses. This is what I've earned. Produce myself, assess myself. Well, let's pump the brakes a second. We've got time, and the way I like to do it, I run it through a bit of software. What that software does is it takes a live bank a bank feed, um, so I get to see all your bank transactions. I don't get access to the bank account. It's just a digital bank statement. But then I know what I'm looking for. So the reason why I specialize with dentists, a there's the specific nuances with with working with dentists, working within proximity to the NHS, things like. Um, things like your superannuation, your AIR, you know, whether you get the maternity benefit or not, so on and so forth. There's quite a lot of complexity that comes with this, which is why I choose to do it. Um, but then I know what I'm looking for because, you know, when you've done it hundreds of times, you, you know exactly what you're looking for. So I'm looking for your indemnity and things like that. And then by looking through the bank transactions, I might see something where you bought something for two and a half grand through Currys. I'm, I'm like, James, what is this you know, transaction through Currys? And you go, oh, I bought a camera and some lenses to, and, I, and I use it for work to take pictures or do you use it for anything else or do you suit solely for business no i only use it to take pictures of teeth well that's a great hobby to have james um and more for, more for you but then ultimately that can you know if, it, if, if it's part and part uh, you know you're a, fo- you're a photographer you're a hobbyist and you use it for work as well then we can we can claim a proportion of it and in it, I mean, an example is i was able to reduce someone's tax bill by 1800 pounds based on what they'd given me versus what i do and then we take that same approach so you know going back a step and saying my background is working with large corporates is I take that same approach to, to your business because the mechanics of how a business works and operates doesn't change. It's just a number of transactions that go through it. Complexity might change, but the basic mechanics stay the same, which means if I'm doing your accounts digitally throughout the year, it does a couple of things is a, you get visibility of how much you're earning. So it's never a guess. You know what your tax estimate is going to be as the year's unfolding. So you know how much you have set aside. And then what I like doing is is giving people sort of worst case scenario that says, look, put away a third of your money and then going through the example and saying, well, how much have you got in your tax account? And they'll say, no, well, you don't need all of it. And then that's a great story for them to have. And it's sort of spinning that as a positive story as opposed to not knowing what that number is and not knowing if even if you've got enough to do it. So first this term comes, you're now a, a full-blown associate. Congratulations. Um, and now you're in the big wide world and you're, dealing, you're, you're sort of dealing with yourself at this point then. The first, I think the general educational point on this is, and I said it before, is 
The accountant's not responsible for your numbers. You're responsible for your numbers. So if you're not sure why the accountant put together what they have, ask them. You've paid them for a service. Ask them for every single line, you know, what makes up this number? How have you risen to this number? Um, because it's ultimate. You're, you have to sign that off. Um, and again, the way we do it is I don't want you to send me bits of paper because I hate bits of paper, is we're fully digital, is we set up one-to-one calls where we'll go through the numbers and we'll go through a sign-off call that says, are you completely confident and comfortable with what we've done, why we've done what we've done? And I think that then gets us to the tax computation side of things that says, well, what are my tax bandings? Because one of the biggest, one of the most interesting ones I get is, well, when I once I hit 50K, I'm going to get taxed 40%. Well, yes, you're right, but you only get taxed on 40% on anything over 50K. Um, and that's how the bandings work. So just sort of going through this in a bit more detail is the first £12,500 that you earn is tax-free. It's called your personal allowance. Everyone gets that, and that's on your pay slip. So when you get your tax code, and it's currently 1257, it's 157, I think, 1257. So you just multiply it by 10, and that's your number of um, uh, of, of your, so multiply 100, that's your tax-free code. So Sometimes if you look at your payslip and you've got something like 3089L, you can contact HMRC and they'll tell you why your um, why your tax code is what it is. So it's always worth finding that out. One thing I massively advocate is set up, set up your government gateway. So your government gateway is how you can access HMRC online yourself. So even if your accountant submits it, you can have access to it. It's really important having that because when you want to then go apply for a mortgage or something like that, you need copies of something called your SA302s, which are confirmation receipts of your self-assessment. So your mortgage lender will ask to see that. So that's really important to really set that up at the start because what you don't want to be doing is waiting for codes and access codes and seeing if the information has been loaded when you really need it is to stay on top of it. Go. So that's the first £12,500 is tax-free. Then up to 50K, you pay 20% tax. Then from 50K to 150K, you pay 40% tax. Then anything over 150K, you pay tax at 45%. And those are the bandings. Then, then you get national insurance. So when you do your self-assessment, and I'm going to assume for this that you've got a student loan, but you can factor that in however you want afterwards, is that's your income tax. So that's your 20%, 40%, 45% bandings. And then you've got national insurance. So national insurance is really important because that's, what's con- that's what contributes to your state pension. So you've got to make 35 years worth of qualifying payments and get your state pension, pension at the end. Um, so up to 9,000, 9,500-ish uh, grand, there's no deductions. Then over nine and a half grand up to 50K, it's 9%. And then after that, it's 2%. Then you also pay an additional um, banding of national insurance, which is 150 pounds. Every sole trader pays that. It's, it's just, it is what it is. Then you've got your student loan. Now, this is always a strange one, this is, because when you, when you do the computations for sole trader versus limited company, you've got to make it clear that your student loan shouldn't really be considered a tax because that's money you've borrowed and that's debt repayment. But if you're a plan one, um, you get 9% deducted after everything over about 19.9K. And then plan two, which would be most people that are graduating now, which will be, well, probably everyone that's graduating now, is it kicks in after 27.3K. So £27,295. Anything you earn over that amount is uh, you get a 9% deduction. You pay that at the same time to HMRC. You pass that on to student loans company um, using your national insurance numbers. That's how they track it. Um, and then we'll work out the calculations as to whether sole trade or limited company is the right option is you'll pay slightly less you've known, but it also just means you're paying less back towards the debt that you've got to pay back overall. So when we go through the examples uh, later down the line, I, I remove that. So you've got a like-for-like cash example. And then when is tax due? So like I said before, your tax year runs from the 6th of April one year, 5th of April the following year, and this is solely for sole trader. 
and then your taxes due, uh, your payment of your taxes due by no later the 31st of Jan the following year. So using the current example, taxes started on the 6th of April 2021, it ends on the 5th of April 2022, your tax is then due by no later the 31st of Jan 2023. So that, that, that was some, and this is what I was saying before, is that there's always time, just don't wait for December 2022 because it'll be, yeah, it, 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 the accuracy then, then suffers, but jump into it as soon as you can. And going back a step is, I keep going back and you go forward at some point, is take the engage with an accountant as soon as possible because you can't change what's happened. So if you get to, you know, December 2022 and you realise, oh, I could have saved a shed load of cash if I was a limited company or if I operated via a limited company, nothing can be done really from that point backwards because you can't change what's happened. You, the company didn't exist and you got paid into your personal bank account. It's only from that point forward, which is where effective tax planning comes into it. And that's really what we do is, you know, we look at your accounts in real time. And if in your foundation, I've got one example at the moment where the guy's absolutely smashing it. And, you know, we're talking sort of 15, 20K a month. And he's just come out of his foundation, your first year associate. And, and it's all private income. And you think, well, right now, now's a great time. So we, we managed to get it in before the start of the tax year. So we get some maximum benefit going forward, which is why being proactive, engaging with someone can save you quite a lot of money going forward. So what, what we've got here, James, is we've got some detailed examples. So slow me down or you know, jump in again where if you think it's worth going over this at certain points. But what I've got here is what your total deductions would be at different income levels. Yeah, sounds so, good. You know, it's, Let's make it tangible. It, that sounds good. Yeah. So it's not unheard of. I mean, first year, straight, straight out of foundation year, you know, you've had your part payment. So you really only been self-employed for seven months out of that year is total income for the year 50K. So as a sole trader, 50K, you're looking at 7.5K income tax, 3.8K national insurance, and again, student loan, if you've got it, is another two grand, which means you've got a total to pay of 13.3K. Now, it's it's a slight misnomer because when you pay your tax at the end of the year, so in this example where we said your tax would be due 31st of Jan 2023, you've also got to pay towards next year's tax as well. So it's brilliant. Why wouldn't I want to pay my tax early? Fantastic. Take more, take more of my money. <laughs> it's like the, the phrase, uh, the, 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 the uh, Futurama, take all my money, you know, the meme there. So you then pay half, half towards the following year's tax. So if your tax bill was £10,000, you pay £10,000 total deductions, and then you, then you then pay five grand towards next year's tax. And that's along with that payment, so that's 15 k And then you come to the 31st of July in the same year, you then pay another payment towards next year's tax. So your first time you pay tax, it's going to be a bit painful because you're paying half of next year's tax along with the tax that you, you've got due. And then the following, in about six months' time, you're then going to pay towards next year's tax again. But you're, it always means when you come to the end of that year, you've already paid it. You're just paying the part payment towards the following year's tax and you, you're sort of prepaying. It's a good position to be in, but it's one to be massively mindful of. Is Again, if you've waited and not spoken to an accountant, not into that, that, that's going to come as a massive surprise to you uh, because that's a lot more money than you probably didn't have set aside. So at 50K... You've got a total of 13.3k to pay, and that includes 2k student loan. Um, so if you don't get student loan, just knock two grand off that. But in most cases, I think people do have a student loan. And at 60k, you're now paying 11 and a half grand income tax, 4k national insurance, and then 2.9k student loan. And then that's a total of 18.4k. Now, the reason why I put 60k in is not because it's an arbitrary number, it is because you're now at the at the the 48 40% tax banding that says that 10,000 pound you went over. So at 50k, you paid seven and a half grand, half grand tax. At 60k, you paid 11 and a half grand tax, which is which is four grand more. 
which is because at £10,000 time, 40% is 4K. So that's why that, that increases. Your national insurance doesn't jump up as much because you've now stopped paying the 9%. You're now only paying national insurance, national insurance at 2% over 50K. Then we get to 100K, so we take that jump. You're now paying 27.5K income tax. This is where it starts getting a bit twitchy. 4.8K national insurance and then 6.5K student loan. That's a total of 38.8K deducted. Now, the, the, we take, sort of take a pause at this point that says, when you start earning over 100K, there's a sneaky tax that jumps in. Is When we said before, the first £12,500 you earn is tax-free. When you start earning over 100K, so for every £2 that you earn over 100K, you actually lose £1 your, student, uh, your, your personal allowance. So by the time you've got to 125K, you now don't get that 12.5K benefit anymore, and you pay tax at 20% on that number, which is about two and a half grand additional tax. So at 125K, you're now paying 40K income tax, 5.3K national insurance, 8.8K student loan, so that's a total of 51.1K. And again, if it's your first year that you've done that, you've had a fantastic year, but you're also now going to pay 20-odd K towards next year's tax as well. 150K. So the reason why we put 150K in is you're now, you've now paid everything at that point, and then you're just before the, the next funding. So it's 50K income tax. It's a 30-year income gone. 5.8K national insurance, and 11.0 uh, 11K student loan. So that's a total deduction of 66.8K that come out your income. Then at 200K, um, you lose um, your, your personal allowance has gone at this point. You're now at the 45% tax bracket because anything over 150K is taxed at 45%. You've now got 72.5K income tax, 6.8K national insurance, 15.5K student loan, and 9.8K. That's, that's a total of 94.8K to pay, which is nearly half of your, your, your income gone towards tax, which, which can be painful. A um, couple of things to note within this is there are ways to mitigate some of this. And that is um, to either start employing people. If at this point, you know, you want to start employing people for, to create to claim expense. It's interesting how many sole traders don't realize that they can um, employ people because you know, they think I sole traders is just me. I must say, I did not know that. That's interesting. Yeah, you can. I'm all ears. Yeah. So, yeah, you can start employing people. Um, and we, it's right at the end of this sort of um, street, street, uh, train of thought. But there are associated taxes with employment, but you can employ people. Um, how you do that, again, either tell your accountant that you want to start employing people or um, speak to you know, contact HMRC and they'll send you the PAYE code. So much in the same way when you were paid before as a foundation, your dentist, your taxes were deducted at source. The same thing applies when you start employing people as well. If they're going to be regularly employed, you know, if you start employing a, you know, uh, either an apprentice or an admin assistant or a bookkeeper, wherever you want to do and you pay them regular amounts each year, each month, then you've got to submit that to HMRC monthly as well. Uh, but we go through it in a bit more detail. So you can do that. Um, and there, there's there's interesting parts of this that says, you know, you can really max out your pension. And again, the, the podcast that, that precedes this is, is probably the best place to go for that information is if you max out your pension contributions, that's a pre-taxable amount. So you, you get tax relief on that, so you're incentivized to do it. Um, and then really is at this point is you know, do I want to start looking at a limited company? And then, like I said, increasing your pension contributions, we'll, we'll look at that. We'll look at that. If you want to start doing training courses now that really accelerate your career, um, you know, I've got clients who stayed the sole traders whilst they were massively investing in their business and did every training course they could and it was tax sufficient to do that and it made absolute sense. So they did that. Um, and like I say, if you do it little and often, the way we do it is we get that information real time. It says, before you start hitting these milestones, we'd reach out to you that says, James, you know, you're getting to 100K. 
what do you want to do? And I know I want to stay as a sole trader. That's fine. So, you know, you get to 150K, James, what do you want to do? Uh, I'll stay as I am. I'll, I'll, I'll increase my pension contributions. That's fine. Get to 200K, like, James, what do you want to do? And I think we 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 take that personally that says, well, we treat your money much in the same way that I would treat my money. I, I'd want someone looking out for me. And that's that then takes us on to the limited company versus sole trade. And I'll take a pause at this point because I need some, uh, I need a drink. But uh, do, do you have anything you want? Feel free. No, well, listening to you talk, I mean, I think in essence, it's almost like there's no, there's never going to be one shoe that fits for every single person. And I know of, now you'll know way more about this than me. I know there are certain arrangements that you can have where you put your money in your limited company and once you get over 50K, it becomes that much more efficient to do that because you're in the uh, higher tax rate at that point. And then I know that as well, there are certain ways that you can set up your limited company such that you get paid X amount in dividends and then you have your company car that can come through it as well. And But then you've just thrown on a really interesting, another caveat on top of that, which is that also even to be a sole trader, and this is, by the way, this is before we even get into superannuation and things like that, which is another thing that makes it more lucrative to be a sole trader You've now thrown the, the, the hat of the employees into the ring. And then also as well, the, the other thing that you mentioned was courses too and how it can be more efficient for you to pay for lots of courses via being a sole trader. There, it really is actually massively nuanced. It really is. Yeah. It, it, it massively, it is. And I think if we, if we recap slightly that said, we talked about your foundation year where you're employed, you've just come out of foundation year and you're an associate You've paid your first year's taxes. You're still trying to find your feet. Maybe you've picked a specialism and you're starting to accelerate your income. So what I would like to call at that point is a mature associate where you've, you've found your feet, you found your niche, and you know, you're building your own brand. And at this point, it starts getting quite interesting because if you want to go buy an NHS practice, you, you've got to either buy that as a sole trader or um, as, a, uh, as a partnership. So... You know, if, if you and your partner were both dentists and you wanted to go buy it together, you'd buy it as a partnership. Now, there's a couple of reasons for that is the NHS um, contracts are held in people's names personally. If you want to incorporate that, if you want to buy that through a limited company, the local authority can put suppression on it. So let's say the UDA rate on that contract that you're buying is £40. If you want to then buy it through a corporation, they might turn around and say, well, your overheads are lower, your tax rates are lower. We're not going to give you £40 a UDA now. You've now given us the opportunity to renegotiate. Um, and we'll now give you £32, which now you've got to reevaluate whether the tax saving is beneficial because if you're buying a dental practice that's, let's say, let's say you know it, it's a rundown practice, the, the, the principal didn't care about it anymore, it's 200 grand NHS, you think, well, I can now bring my private band onto this and then run the private income through a limited company and have all the, um, the NHS contract in my name and that'll be my nest egg because... I'll max out my pension contributions for me and my partner for the next 20, 30, 40 years. And that's my pension sorted. And I'll sell the NHS contract and I'll make a pretty penny on that. And now I've got all this money, all my private income and into the company as well. So there's, you're absolutely right. There is not a one, one hat fits all. There, there really isn't. Layers. Yeah, layers. It's like a, well, in Shrek, does it call it parfait? With all the layers that it comes I, across. I, I haven't, but I really like that. That's really good. Very, very uh, poetic and articulate. Awesome. That's a new one for me. Concludes the first half of this two-part episode on taxes. Please tune in to episode two to see how the conversation continues.
If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit follow or subscribe so you can stay up to date with information on new podcasts which are released weekly. Please also feel free to leave a positive review so others can learn about this podcast and benefit from it. I would also encourage any fans of the podcast to sign up to the free Facebook community from which the podcast originated. Please search Dentists Who Invest on Facebook and hit join to become part of a community of thousands of other dentists interested in improving their finances, well-being and investing knowledge. Looking forward to seeing you on there.